that would have been a really good I don't get it. Yeah, oh I, oh I. But you know, the best I don't get it, sir. Sadly not gotten. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul, and we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Powered, powered by, by ATB. B, B, B. <laughs> um, how are you, Fonda? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Paul? It's been a while. It's true. What are we doing with our lives? Um, uh, too much, probably. Yeah, that's that's the simple answer, but it's nice to have seen a show with you again. Yeah, and what a show it was. Um, we saw uh, Plain Jane Theatre uh, slash the Varscona Theatre Ensemble's production of Fun Home. Oh, and uh, what a fun home it was. Well, I don't know. If fun would be the word I would use for, for describing a lot of the content. But yeah. Um, uh, so for those who don't know, Fun Home is um, based on the graphic novel by Alison Bechtel. The graphic memoir. It's all true. Yeah, all true. Um, uh, so nonfiction uh, about uh, about her family and her... Uh, mostly, uh, largely about both uh, her coming out and discovering um, her sexuality. Uh, sort of... Uh, side along the side of um her father and sort of realizing um her father's uh sexuality and sort of closeted closeted life Mm -hmm. and and the difficulties of that yeah they they give away right in the first song that this her father committed suicide so it's not it's not really spoiler um Mm. and i heard them talking about it on cbc too so i'm gonna say that you know it's not really a spoiler also read the graphic memoir it's been out for like i don't know a decade two decades it's great yeah about 10 years about Mm -hmm. 10 years anyway so but before we get into the show maybe can we talk a little bit about who alison bechtel is sure um do you want to do you want to kick that off sure so alison bechtel um is got really well known for um a lesbian comic that she had syndicated uh, across many channels um it was called thanks to watch out for dykes to watch out for i often see just like the acronym dt whatever w-o-f <laughs> something like that um and and so she got really well known for that then when fun home came out as a graphic memoir um it got really uh famous she won mm-hmm. a macarthur one of those macarthur genius grants which are hella cool yeah, you look that up tell me what a genius grant entails Fonda well a genius it's it's actually like a MacArthur fellowship <laughs> and basically someone uh, they decide about you know 20 or so people per year get uh, a half a million dollars yeah. um, the MacArthur Foundation just gives them out there's no nomination process nothing like that they just they're just like we like you here's money uh macarthur foundation if you're listening and feel like uh giving giving some people some money that'd be great um elson bechtel is also known for the bechtel test is sort of one of um the impacts that she has had in pop culture which came out of the the comic strip which is uh, a way of measuring uh representation of women in fiction uh which is uh, sort of three questions um uh you know does it feature does a work feature at least two women who talk to each other uh, about something other than a man. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of uh, a litmus for representation in in uh, in the sort of mediums and arts we take in. Uh, and that's sort of one of the pervading um, uh, things the Bechtel name has been attached to in addition to all of uh, her body of work, yes. um, which is vast and, and amazing. Yes. And so a few years ago, Fun Home, her memoir was made into this wonderful musical um it won a bunch of tonys that year um in 2015 and um frankly like i 
I loved the songs in this musical. They were they were just fantastic. the The convention is that um, it's an old. There's one older Allison um, and two of her younger selves. So there's. They're credited as Alison Bechtel, Medium Allison, and Small Allison. Yes. I love. <laughs> um, so um, Alison Bechtel is play, was played by Jocelyn Alf. <laughs> and um, the two young performers playing Medium Allison uh, were, and Small Allison were Bella King and uh, Jillian Eisenstadt, I think, possibly. Jillian yeah, and so our 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 uh, Alison Bechtel um, is sort of looking back. It's sort of in without like drawing too much attention to this as the convention. Um, uh, she is on stage creating Fun Home, the the graphic memoir. Um, so she is sort of thinking about these moments in her life, and she's drawing them, and she's thinking of captions and sort of framing scenes. You know, there's a scene where there's a very adorable scene where she's sort of like commenting on her own awkwardness in sort of the moment she has her first um, uh, lesbian experience, and just how painfully slow it is for her to like cross that that moment uh, with this other person, with Joan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, what I I did like about the songs is that um, in the lyrics, especially in the titles of the songs, or sort of like the the choruses, there's there's certain things that really hark back to visuals that you would see in the memoir, mm. like um, you know, especially the really big solo songs, like the Ring of Keys song. Right. Small. That's the best song. Small Allison sings as she's watching someone. She watches a Butch Dyke walk into the diner that she's at with her dad, and she's like, "Wow." I think she re- she recognizes something mm-hmm. in this in this person, and yeah. it's just such a beautiful moment, really, really beautifully sung. Also, yeah, and I think a lot of the songs and a lot of the content of the the show is about these moments of recognition, either either inside oneself or um, in someone else, or trying to share a moment of recognition, trying to be seen, this moment of connection mm-hmm. um, for for who you are. Um, there's sort of near the end. There's a very um, uh, difficult song where she's come out to her parents and her and her dad have gone for a drive and she knows um, she's heard these stories about him now um, and they just can't talk about it. They're sort of singing alone in their heads at each other about, you know, the things they want to be talking mm-hmm. about. And and, um, and the song is called Telephone Wires because that's what she... It's, just, it's about things that she's sort of like looking at the car, outside the car window, trying to distract herself. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's kind of going back to what you would see in the book, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, those visuals and just sort of like, ah, the next light, at the next light, mm. yeah. uh, at the next light. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, I mean, really great opportunities um, are kind of afforded by that convention of having three Allisons, too. They each get, like, this big song um i i quite like medium allison's song um changing my major which is all about when she first starts like finds finds a lesbian kind of starts falling in love as a young person and just like just it's all about sex with joan yes yeah Yeah. (laughs) she's changing her major to joan yeah um yeah um i think uh so this this won the tony for best musical um uh what is it about sort of these songs we've touched a little bit on that already but they're like really really makes them that like swing and hit you know that really gives them that power i think as you said sort of like the the triple allison effect is nice there's also moments where like all three of them are singing about a shared memory together or a shared moment Mm -hmm. uh but what is it about the the music that really like resonates for you what I really liked, I the only song that I I knew going into this before was the Ring of Keys, mm-hmm. um, and so I hadn't heard any of the other music before. Okay. But you know, it still kind of sticks in there. Like the Welcome to Our House on Maple Avenue song is still in my head. Um, thinking about Days and Days, sung by um, Allison's mom, um, who played uh, played by Kate Ryan. Um, 
the the songs are just still so present and so there also i think that the lyrics are complex like they the, the some of some of the lyrics in this and i keep going back to that ring of keys song are just mm-hmm. like so insightful and wonderful and it's straight from bechtel's writing too some mm-hmm. of them so it, it really does um show how talented she is mm-hmm. um, and what you know how she told this story there's there's texture in the lyrics which is mm-hmm. which I feel is really really um, great musically I mean it kind of was set up a little bit conventionally like like a like a you know straight up two act musical right. we have a, a band on stage mm-hmm. um, doing their thing uh, singers come on and off everyone's mic like yeah, like and and the you know the um uh you know when the big numbers are happening you know like I was just kind of they didn't do an intermission we saw a matinee performance but you could tell where the intermission was supposed to happen right, <laughs> you know right, like yeah, there's yeah. like you know the kind of like the big clincher right in the middle um so I I do think that it really is sort of the lyrics um and the complexity of how the lyrics make these songs mm-hmm. sound so fantastic and really really resonate. Right. And the, the lyrics were uh the book and the lyrics are by Lisa Cron, uh who who won the Tony for this and was a finalist for the Pulitzer and has also worked on uh, In the Wake, Well, a 2.5 minute ride and has won a bunch of fellowships um uh uh them herself. So so uh, you know, uh, great uh, great source material being worked with someone who's clearly got chops for you know finessing material into um, uh, this form. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, worked out, worked out. And um, it was and it was a really great um, it was a really great example of what the Bechdel test sort of looks like. Most of the characters in the in the in the show were women mm-hmm. um, talking about you know like things they're going through. Of course, the role of the dad, the role of her father, is is what the show is what the story is actually really all about um and it's about her kind of like coming to terms with what he did and who he was and of of course her um her own journey along that as well right yeah and and sort of um the way that uh being in the closet for him were you know how that affected him and the family and sort of uh in ways that she didn't realize when she was younger and then you she starts to have these glimpses into into who he is and and that and sort of leading to like he's got the penultimate song in the play edges of the world which is sort of um uh you know as he's wrestling with a lot and this sort of like on one hand, the way he sort of, once his daughter comes out, um, hints at things, but, you know, and there's a line sort of leading into that song where he's, it's in a letter, and he's sort of talking about how, like, I, you know, I, I really envy the, like, the the freedom on campuses, and sort of <laughs> this, days, like, yeah. yeah, this language that's, like, really, he wants to say so much more, um, but uh, because of when, and because of uh, the culture he was in, and, and who he uh, how how that manifested, um, he couldn't. Yeah, and it. I mean, what a role though to play, also because he's kind of because of the way they sort of disclose what happens to him at the beginning of the play. He's playing this time bomb, really, right. and the and the you know really really engages, really animates that tension um, of you know knowing eventually what does happen to him. I think that this was really really fantastically played by Jeff Haslam, right. um, and yeah. The, so the role of father. Bruce, as it were. Bruce, Bruce Bechtel. Yeah. Yeah, there's these little eruptions throughout the play, like, um, which seem, um, uh, as the play goes on, you get more context for, and they take on so much more emphasis and sadness, you know, and anger, and, and, and yeah, there's just more that um, charges them up as they go. It's, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And like what meaty roles too for some young performers? Like mm-hmm. there's the two brothers and then the two younger Allisons as well. Um, seeing some emerging talent there, that was that was really great. Yeah, there's a there's an early song that's very fun where the the kids are uh, making a commercial mm-hmm. um, for for the funeral home, the fun home. Uh, that sort of lets them all lets them all ham and shine and, and do all the things. Uh, but it was great, and it was like um, a, a great moment of levity throughout. I think was when we would come back to some of those moments or find those characters together. Yeah, I think what was sort of also special about the music is the way that um, the way that they did the refrains. It seemed like the refrain would always get just a little bit darker mm. um, you know they at the very beginning they're singing welcome to our house um, and you know that kind of cleaning up and showing how sort of like kind of like anal retentive their dad is about like how the house should look mm-hmm. um, and then um, and then the mother comes back and refrains that at the end and it's oh, you and you realize what she's been living through mm-hmm. living with him knowing what his other the other side of his life um, actually is mm-hmm. um, and she's just she's just this like sort of like broken down character and is a heartbreaking song yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and and it was yeah um powerful powerful fun home the musical yeah i would i would really like to see this um take home some sterlings and and yeah it was it was that was a good that was a good ride <laughs> cool yeah all right um now it's probably time for an ad The most recent episode of the Well-Endowed podcast goes on a tour of Jasper Place Wellness Center, which focuses on five divisions to help strengthen the West Edmonton community in education, housing, health, food, and employment. You'll hear about accessing healthcare with dignity, the importance of gathering with others to learn a new skill, and how meeting employees uh, where they're at can change lives. You'll also find out what it sounds like to recycle a mattress. To listen and to find out more about Edmonton Community Foundation's projects in the city, visit thewellendowedpodcast.com. Cool. All right. What else is going on, Fonda? The Flamenco Show. Sure, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll throw to that now. All right, everyone. Um, I'm here with a very special guest. For the first time on I Don't Get It, it's ma belle sœur, is Kara Paul. Hello, everyone. Hi, Kara. Thanks for joining us. Um, this is this is actually your second year of seeing the Edmonton Flamenco Festival main stage performance with me, and this is the first time, though, that you've agreed to talk about it on the podcast. Well, I was just very excited for the opportunity, and thank you very much for the invite. I was very excited to kind of reflect upon my previous experiences and see what I've learned from yourself (laughs) and from last year's show which was um so Kara what happened at the very beginning of the performance um what what was the sort of like preemptive instructions that we were given as an audience we were given a fairly clear outline of uh when to ole which is something that still as an awkward white Canadian I have an issue with because I'm kind of a woo girl I'm not gonna lie I get excited I see an artist doing something wonderful and I want to I want to share that excitement with them but I'd also within flamenco don't want to mess up the tempo or any of the beat and as such they were very kind to provide instructions at the beginning of the show so I did my best I hope I didn't mess anyone up well, yeah, I also had to, um, you know, kind of like uh, 
temper my my will to woo um, not only as just sort of like a regular sort of like burlesque watching performer but like you know someone who likes sport even and just like I want to cheer and say yeah when something looks really great um, what was the the other instruction was also to avoid clapping along which I thought was kind of interesting I am somebody that really enjoys you know in imbibing in the performance and following along with the rhythm but uh, what I learned in the few times that I've actually attended flamenco is that uh, the performers on stage are actually keeping a rhythm that is very important to the dancers as well as the musicians so despite my best efforts I found myself patting my knee slightly and being a little excited. <laughs> Your audience clapping is not helping the show, as we were told um, more than once. So, um, so well, that's that's sort of the primer, and not to scare you off of flamenco because once the show starts, it is super enjoyable, and you're really into it. Um, you just maybe aren't sure of how to handle your natural reactions in a certain way, maybe. Well, I find, if nothing else, the description and the instructions that were provided at the beginning of the show just made me wish that I could see more flamenco. So I actually knew how to conduct myself so I could be an active member in the audience, but not disrupt the actual performance. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about the performance that we did see. So we saw Tierra Flamenco with Sonia Oya and Ismael Fernandez Flamenco Company, direct from Spain. Um, Beautiful company, uh, two dancers, male, one Sonia Oya, of course, and the male dancer, of course, um, was Paul Vaquero. Um, then we had uh, two singers, Jonathan Riez Jimenez and Ismael Fernandez, of course, of the namesake of the company, um, and then and the guitarist, uh, Victor Marquez, whose stage name in quotations is El Tomate. Um, which I'm um, like, that's, I don't think that's tomato, but you know, whatevs. <laughs> um, at the, the beginning of the performance, comparative to last year, but the last time it was very much focused on the solo artists and uh, the guitarists and the vocalists were still very prominent, but they weren't featured as heavily. But uh, for this time, the, the lead female came out and she had the most spectacular fringe I have ever seen. And she was, the interpretation that I had, and I, I don't speak Spanish, um, I also really need to learn Spanish, but she came out as so much like, she struck me as a majestic raven that was swooping in and doing like an interpretive emotional kind of saga and the fringe the costume the tempo everything was absolutely spectacular yeah she comes out doing this very dramatic dance in the program it's called martinete and it's she has this shawl with a very long fringe on it. It's all in black with some sort of like gold tapestry sort of accents. And it just, it's, the way that she moves this scarf is one way, you know, as an apparatus, as a dance apparatus, it's quite incredible because she's, the, the scarf isn't completely animated the entire time and so is the long skirt that she's wearing which is a long trailing skirt I don't remember what it's called at the very moment but 
in flamenco they do have this long trailing skirt style of dance and it's um it's quite a feat it's quite um uh something that an advanced dancer would would use to accentuate their movement and and work along with it and to open with a number like that uh i I feel was quite bold and quite um effective uh, and 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 really also just like very strong and emotional, kind of leading into what was um, a little bit more somber um, and uh, maybe seductive later in the show. Well, considering the opening of the show was this level of uh, drama and costume and the extension of the dancer's body being whether it was the fringe or the long skirt, um, I I was completely sucked into this narrative that I was completely unaware of that could exist within dance on this level where I wasn't sure if she was a a conqueror or if she was a vixen or a maiden or anything on that level but I was completely enraptured. Yeah, well, note that this show is happening at the Winspear, um, on the Winspear stage. There's nothing else on the stage other than her and uh, a guitarist and two singers. Um, and if the, and even if they're not there, it's just chairs. There's nothing in the background. There's no other lighting. It is really just the performers themselves animating this huge space. Um, they have a special floor installed so that you can hear the flamenco shoes and the percussion. The percussion Percussion is all made by the dancers, with the exception of the table dance, which we'll get into in the second act when we start talking about that. Um, but yeah, every th- every percussive percussive sound is really made by the dancers and the clapping of the um, of the cantados, the singers as well. Well, and one thing that I absolutely love about the Windsor itself is the fact that there was the percussive sounds outside of it, but the sound quality, you could hear the individual snapping and you could you could sense the rhythm of the individual dancer. And that is something that is not found in most venues within Edmonton, and it was something that was very special because most dancers that I've witnessed don't have the same freedom to regulate their own rhythm and their own tempo and engage the crowd and that's something that I think is really spectacular about flamenco. Mm-hmm. So we had that like crazy um, beautiful dramatic opening of the Martinete and then followed by that Sigurilla which was uh, the male solo dancer doing his sort of thing <laughs> um, and then uh, and that was followed by the guitar solo the, the guitarist solo which which was, you know, I feel sort of like a beautiful sort of like reprise, like a little break for everyone just to breathe a little bit. Um, did you have any feelings about the the guitar solo, the instrumental bits? Well, I thought it was a fantastic break in the sense that because of the intensity of the dancing that I saw prior, um, and because I am still new to the actual, you know, form, so to speak, um, with that instrumental I was able to reflect and look back and be like oh well like maybe she meant this or maybe she meant that because I'm still new to flamenco but at the same time it was such a beautiful performance on his part that I also kind of want to be like do you have an album I very much enjoyed your work tonight and I would be really into downloading that and the guitar in flamenco it's so intricate and so playful it, it 
it has it seems to have its own sort of like speaking language itself right like it just has like a bouncy sort of lilting thing and then it goes into longer more melodic parts but like it really seems to speak in the same way that the percussive beats of the flamenco feet do absolutely it kind of provided additional context to the narrative of the dance as well as the spacing and you kind of got excited to be what you're seeing next yeah and so the first act ended on the Toronto which was kind of my personal favorite part of the evening she came out in a very in a in a very kind of like pattern dress seemed to be sort of like more of the like countryside I want to say gypsy gitano gitano side of flamenco style um, and that had like a little bit of a fringe on it but the dancing uh, and the and the end off right before the intermission just seemed like the most passionate payoff to me um, it really it really showcased Sonia Oya's um, true talent in like drawing a full audience in and just kind of being like I don't need to lift my skirt very high but I can lift my knee and my skirt goes like for miles and and <laughs> and, and and then she and then of course the feet the sounds of the feet you know like it, she wasn't she wasn't as showy a flamenco performer as I have seen before she was actually quite um I don't want to say subdued, but she wasn't like just kind of like, look at my feet, look at my feet. And I'm so, you know, romantic. But she did have these sort of like incredibly like great arms that were like writhing and beautiful and expressive. Um, and her feet, like, you know, like a small flick of the knee would just actually like send her entire dress flying, which was just wonderful. No, her use of the, the costumes that she chose, it was one of those things that I absolutely love for the entire evening. I was taken from a sultry raven to a countryside maiden, and then I finished off watching this amazing kind of phoenix rise up. It, it was it was spectacular. She had a, a skirt that had ruffles and pleating, and then the interior had almost like a shiny one. So it was a, it was a bit of a reveal where she came out in all black in the last number. And yet at the same time, every moment she moved, her legs kicked left or right, and then you got this glimmer of a reflective surface, and every movement was accentuated. It was beautiful. At the end, yeah, she she kind of combined these two types of dances called the like the alegria and the solea, and and normally the alegria is done in like a very sort of like colorful sort of like polka dot flowery costume, um, and it's like more expressive and happy, and um, and then the solea is like a little bit more somber and in black and stuff, and they c combined it in a way um, the entire second act was sort of like uh, they did five different or, or six different uh, segments but they were they, they all sort of flowed into one another um, and I know that when I saw the table come out I was like oh there's gonna be the table dance where the where the singers are doing the knocking on the on the table um, but it didn't end up being its own uh, it didn't end up being its own segment it kind of just was sort of like a little bit integrated throughout yeah, and I, I remember you commenting to me, like, oh, there's, you know, the, the table's coming out, and I'm not familiar with flamenco, and 
as such, I was very excited, but the, the percussive way that they used that, it really added to the entire kind of spectacle, but it was also seamlessly blended between one and another acts comparatively, which I really enjoyed. And I also was kind of waiting of, well, what else are you going to bring out? Because this is my second experience with flamenco, and I'm, I will admit, I'm slightly ignorant, but I'm always excited to learn. But I've taken you to some other types of dance performances before, not only sort of like crazy weird contemporary dance with a lot of denim and photocopying, <laughs> but also um, traditional ballet and, and things like that. So what what about flamenco really stands out to you as, as different from those dance forms? I find flamenco is very much along the lines of a... It's, a, it's more of an emotional expression. It's not about necessarily being graceful or, well, and speaking specifically to, you know, female leads. You don't have to be out there and you don't have to be pretty and flowy and all that. You can be emotional and expressive and you can, you can be guttural. And it's something that is truly spectacular to behold. And not only as an audience member, like it's also empowering where like when I want to go out and I want to feel my body move to music, I don't have to worry about, you know, plieing and all that jazz, which is nothing nothing wrong with that on any level, but flamenco is something that I find is truly a, a, a visceral dance and it is empowering, it's exciting, it's, it's informative, and I, I absolutely love it and I relish any experience that I ever get to have with it. That's so awesome. I'm really glad that you got to join me again for the Flamenco Festival this year. <laughs> I am so glad that you invited me, and I very much look forward to seeing the fourth year of said festival. And I will be going on my own, whether or not your busy schedule allows. Because <laughs> I'm hooked. <laughs> well, that's good. That's the point. All right. Thank you so much, my belle sir. Working in the arts means your income can be as varied as a time signature or brushstroke. ATB's branch for arts and culture was built for artists so you can do your banking in a way that works for you, with a community of like-minded people. Creativity and banking working together. It's why ATB will always be more than a bank. The branch is a place that understands the challenges that artists face because those that work at the branch are artists themselves. For more information, visit atb.com slash the branch. Cool. All right. So what's coming up, Fonda? What's the next little while? Uh, the Empress and the Prime Minister, a new play by Darren Hagen, is making its debut at Theatre Network on April 16th, and that runs till May 5th. Uh, the Brian Webb Dance Company is presenting Next Generation South Asian Dance at uh, Theatre Lab Allard Hall in the new Grant McEwen building, uh, April 17th and 18th. Uh, the Tempest, which is uh, the Citadel Theatre's uh, Banff Center project this year, I believe, um, uh, also in collaboration with Now Hear This, the Deaf Arts Festival. Um, that's running April 20th to May 12th at the Citadel. Cool. Uh, April 26th and 27th, we have No Guesses Found, uh, part of the Mile Zero Dance Dance Crush season uh, featuring Amber Bratzik and Jesse Gervais. Um, and then uh, the Rupaboo Arts Festival is being presented in, in conjunction with the Dream Speakers Film Festival this year, uh, running at various locations throughout town. That starts out on April 27th. And goes until May 7th. Cool. Well, it was nice chatting with you, Fonda. Yeah, welcome, welcome back to our to our makeshift studio. <laughs> yeah, the car. Um, uh, we'll see something again soon. Yeah.
Go see some shows, everyone. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov. Sit here thinking about love.